Today's episode is brought to you by the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. To learn more, visit usbank.com slash altitude go. Today's episode is brought to you by Wise, the account that helps you manage your money around the world, which is huge for travelers. I've been a customer and a fan for 10 years. The Wise account helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast, and they do it all without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. This service has been so critical for me in my life as a traveler, as a nomad, as somebody living abroad, and you can join 16 million customers and learn how the Wise account can help you out on the road at wise.com slash travel. That's wise, W-I-S-E dot com slash travel, or download the app. This episode of Zero to Travel is brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. What is one thing you absolutely need to do to succeed at becoming location independent or growing your current location-free business so you can have the freedom to travel without limits? I'll share my answer to that question in today's show. Plus, we're doing something pretty special here over the next couple months. Find out what that is and an interview with Melody from blackdigitalnomad.com. You're not going to want to miss her story and the tips she shares along the way. Are you ready to do this? Let's get into it. Thanks for being here and welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. You're listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey there, it's Jason with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you so much for hanging out, spending a little time with me today, letting me bring a little travel into your ears. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience. What are you up to? Where are you? Where are you at today? I know where Leo is. He's a member of the Zero to Travel listening community, this wonderful, beautiful caravan. You're joining many tens of thousands of people around the world listening to this show. Thanks for being a part of this this crazy caravan. I'm, I'm always so inspired when I hear from listeners out there. So please, if you haven't gotten in touch already, get in touch some way. I'm on Twitter at Zero to Travel. You can send me an email, whatever. I would just love to hear from you. I read all the reviews, all the emails I get. And I got one from Leo the other day and he sent me a picture. I said I know where he's at because he sent me a picture from New Zealand, this epic looking mountain. I'm looking at it right now with uh, this bright blue lake, like this otherworldly blue. Anyway, he just said, hello, Jason. I still can't believe that I've been on the road for over two years and still traveling. Sometimes I have to remind myself how fortunate I am to have the opportunity to travel. It was your podcasts that gave me the courage to drop out of college, buy a one-way ticket, and explore the world. I wanted to take the time to say thank you again for all the value you offer without listening to Zero to Travel. Who knows when I would have had the courage to make that leap. Uh, Thank you. And uh, yeah, it's humbling to read these words and then to share this with you. It makes me feel a little weird because... He's praising the show, but the reality is like to do all that takes a lot of hard work and decision making. And anybody that has taken the leap to full time travel or you always have to give up something to travel, right? And in Leo's case, he decided to give up 
his going to college, which uh, is not a decision everybody would make, but it sounds like it was the right one for him and to buy a one-way ticket and go off that way. I'm just happy to know that the podcast helped in some way and uh, always grateful to hear that. And this is the currency that keeps me going, my friends. Um, I share these things and I read these things because uh, I want you to know other people in the community and the awesome stuff that they're up to. And I think it's inspiring when when I hear what everybody out there is up to and, and how they've taken time and, and made changes to incorporate more travel into their lives. And I love to share that with you. And this is certainly the number one thing that keeps this podcast going is feedback like this because it's, uh, it's a lot of work to do a podcast. And I I do my best to put good stuff out there for you. And I'm, I'm really grateful when uh, people say that that it has helped them in some way. So thank you to Leo and to everybody that's taken the time to, to write or get in touch or leave a review if you haven't done that. Get in touch anytime. We got an exciting show today. I mentioned Melody's on and I'm going to share another email from a community member in just a second. Uh, first, quickly, just want to thank Tortuga Backpacks for supporting today's show. If you go to zerototravel.com slash Tortuga, you can just find the best backpacks out there for long-term travel or full-time travel. And if you are interested in seeing what they have, if you don't want to waste your time looking around the internet for the perfect backpack, just go to that link and check it out and you get 10% off with the promo code TRAVEL. If you just enter the word TRAVEL when you check out, you'll get 10% off any of their packs. I just got the new Set Out Day Pack, which is so dope. And I use the Day Pack with the Outbreaker and that's the current setup I have for for pretty much all of my trips when I'm using a backpack and I love it. So check it out. You can see I also created a list of products I recommend from them there. ZeroToTravel.com slash Tortuga. Thanks to Fred and the gang over there. Real travelers, people who care about travelers who do it themselves, designing these backpacks. And uh, I love it. And of course, the 10% off for Zero to Travel listeners. But the promo code TRAVEL, just enter the word TRAVEL when you check out and you'll get 10% off anything you order there. Now let's talk about what's going on on this show over the next couple months. I teased it in the beginning. What are we doing? What am I plotting and scheming now? Well, we're doing some themed months. And because we have a huge event coming up right at the end of May, beginning of June, this month is going to be all about location independence. And that doesn't mean that you shouldn't listen if that's not a way you're interested in traveling because there are plenty of other travel tips that are going to be mixed in with that, especially long-term travel tips. And if you're not familiar with the term, location independence is just having the ability to work from anywhere, which a lot of people do. That means you could be working for yourself. That means you could be working remotely for a company. Maybe you're not somebody that doesn't want to work for themselves, but you want to work remotely because you can travel more and you can still do that and work for somebody else. It just means you're not tied to a location and you can earn your income from anywhere, which for some people out in the world, that means from home, myself included right now. But for travelers, I think it's more of ha- about having the freedom to be able to travel as much as they want. Even if you do work from home a lot, you can go travel when you want. That's the really cool part. One of the best parts about location independence, of course, not to mention when you're doing your own thing, you have that sort of triangle of freedom you can attain. You can get the freedom to work from anywhere and travel anywhere. You can have time freedom, so you don't have to wake up to an alarm clock. You can go see your friends in the middle of the day or spend time with your family whenever, and you can get that financial freedom as well. When you're working for yourself, you don't have a ceiling anymore in your income. That's one of the more exciting things 
that gets lost in this, I think, because it takes money to travel. And when you start up a location-independent business, it's not an easy thing to do. But in the long run, you have more control over how you make a living. And then you're also not capped at what you can earn, which is exciting. And you can also pick and choose work that is more meaningful for you, that gives you more purpose. People do this a lot of different ways. My personal philosophy is I do it because I want to be able to serve others and do the work that I love and that gives me meaning and purpose. And that is the choice that I make. I I choose to work around things I'm passionate about, surround myself with people that are passionate about it and people like you who are like-minded and are excited about adventure and getting out and exploring the world. And I get to be around that all the time with my work and I absolutely love it. So I feel very fortunate and that is the reason I chose this path. And also I got tired of being told where to go when I was touring and doing the traveling touring stuff, which I used to do. Uh, I always had a schedule, a tour schedule I had to follow. And then I just wanted to eventually be able to choose the places I wanted to go. So anyway, over the next month, it's location-dependent month. And then the month after that, but that'll go in a little bit into June. And then after the first week in June, we're going to do travel jobs. Going to have some interviews all around travel jobs and seasonal work and different things like that. So I thought it'd be fun to group some of these topics together. Now, like I said, there's still going to be travel tips and all sorts of things mixed in. So even if you're not interested in those specific topics, you're still going to get a lot of resources and advice around travel in general. So I hope you stick around. I hope you're excited about these next couple theme months that touch on these themes are built around these themes, but again, still encapsulate all the the full-time or long-term travel lifestyle. And I'll get into the reason why this month is the location-independent digital nomad theme in just a second. It has to do with the question I posed at the top of the show. What is the one thing you absolutely need to do to succeed at becoming location-independent or growing your current location-independent business so you can have the freedom to travel without limits? And my guest today talks about this very thing. And it's about self-education or getting a real education from somewhere. Self-education doesn't mean that you have to teach yourself everything. Although my guest today talks about how she taught herself a lot of skills. So she was able to do this in the interview. But it means taking control of the things you are learning and making sure you're picking the right things to study, which can be hard. I mean, that's why when you go to college or whatever, you, you major in something and they give you the classes you got to take. But when you want to be a digital nomad or location independent, it can be a little more confusing. You know, there aren't really college classes around that that I know of. So how do you find the right set of skills? What are they? You know, when you're a doctor, you have to go to medical school. If you're going to be a mechanic, you have to at some point study how to fix cars. Somebody has to show you that. You have to get an education, a proper quality education to do these things right. And being location independent or a digital nomad and running a business like that is no exception. That's why every year for the last four years, this is our fifth year doing it, we put together this thing called the Paradise Pack. And if you go to zerototravel.com slash paradise, I will include that link in this show, zerototravel.com slash paradise. You're going to see this massive project where we take all of the best courses out there in online business, lifestyle business, and travel and put it together in one package. So you get everything you need in one digital package And it's also 90 
90% off. Actually, this year, over 90% off, I believe. At this time right now, we're still getting products in there, so that might even go up. You get courses teaching you a variety of skills that you need to do this whole location-free thing. That's the bottom line. Instead of having to go all over the internet and try to find all these different skills and places to learn them and spending thousands of dollars, you're going to get everything in one bundle. And right now, this bundle's worth between five and six thousand dollars right now and again it's over 90 percent off for one week only may 29th through june 4th and zero to travel.com slash paradise go through that link you will see what's in the paradise pack this year you can hop on the email list and get on there so you don't miss this because again we can't get all of these people to put these products in and discount them forever it's just too crazy of a discount to to extend forever. That's why it's only happening for one week. And when you sign up over there, you're also going to get some bonuses. I'll be talking about this over the next month because I don't want you to miss this. If you are somebody that wants to do this whole location independent thing or you want to really truly make it happen, you need the education. This is about getting a quality professional education. And this is how you can do it. This is what we put together for you so you can get it affordably. So check that out. I'm really excited about it as always. And if you have any questions about that, get in touch. Now let's slip and slide into today's interview. I've got one more shout out for a listener in the Zero to Travel Caravan on the other side of this interview. And I'll leave you with a quote as well. So stick around for that. Please enjoy today's interview, and I will see you on the other side, my friend. Mesdames et messieurs, votre attention, s'il vous plaît. En raison de travaux de modernisation sur la voie, sur l'axe Pavillon, du 25 juillet... My guest today is the founder of BlackDigitalNomad.com, where her mission is to inspire people of color to work from anywhere in the world. She's also a Facebook ad strategist, and today we're going to chat about the remote work lifestyle, what it takes to make it, how to leverage Facebook to grow your business, and a ton more. Melody Thomas, welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. Hi, Jason. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to have you. You know, you're, since you're a digital nomad, I always have to ask where where in the world you are, because you just never know. <laughs> right, right. So I am actually in Columbia, South Carolina. I just got back from Playa del Carmen, Mexico, a week and a half ago. So I will be here for another three weeks, and then I'll be flying out to Thailand. Sweet. Did you um? Did you get some good tacos when you were down in Mexico? Yes, I got some good of everything. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Mexican cuisine is is one of my favorite foods. So um, not only did I enjoy Mexican food, but I enjoyed Italian Mexican and. Cuban Mexican and yeah, food is one of my favorite things to experience when I'm traveling. So yes, yes. I did. <laughs> I know, yeah. Who doesn't love like a good meal while you're traveling? I was always like, I don't know, depending on how long I'm traveling, sometimes I put so much pressure on the meal too, you know, like, especially if you're there for a short amount of time in a town, you're like, oh my gosh, I got to get the best meal here. I got to get this one right. You know, right. <laughs> it's like, right. Then you get here. some disappointing tacos <laughs> or something. You're like, oh man. Oh, well. Well, I'll just go order another taco plate somewhere else. <laughs> right. I've had some disappointing ones. And of course, they were in the heavy touristy areas. So you have to go. You have to go where the locals go to get the good food. <laughs> Are you fully nomadic or do you base out of South Carolina or how does that work for you? I do have a home base and my home base is in, in Columbia, South Carolina. And I'm not 
you know, I'm not 100% fully nomadic, quote unquote, because um, I have older parents. So I have to check on them every now and then. So I like to have a home base to go back to every every couple of months or every three months or so. Um, and I'm also the only child, so there's no one else to watch after them. So that's why I'm, I've decided that, okay, I'm not going to be 100% nomadic um, because I do have to check on my parents, but I will try to live this lifestyle as much as I can. So when I go to Thailand, I will be gone for three months um, and then I'll come back for maybe a month or two and then I'll go somewhere else. But isn't this like one of the beautiful things about this lifestyle and setting yourself up this way? You know, we always talk about the travel and I mean, I've talked about this on the show before, but there there are so many benefits. Like, for example, if you're if you don't want to be fully nomadic and you want to have a base or, or your people in your family or your friends are sick and you want to spend time with them or take care of them, you have the flexibility to do that. It's just a much different scenario, I think, if you're if you're working like the traditional job. How do you feel to have that kind of freedom to be able to be in the position to do that? The freedom is why I do it. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so before I was, you know, a digital nomad, um, of course, I did have the traditional nine to five Monday through Friday job. And then my next opportunity, it was and it, it was a chance for me to work remotely for four working four out of the five working days out of the week. So um, that is what jump started this, you know, digital nomad thing. Of course, I was still confined to my job because I had to go into the office one day out of the week. So any traveling that I wanted to do, I had to make it within that five to six day um, time period. So I actually resigned from that job back in September. And I, I have a very detailed blog post on my website about that. <laughs> but um, I resigned from that job. Uh, that was what, um, almost six months ago now. So since then, you know, I have been enjoying the freedom. But, I, but you know, of course, there are struggles with that, too. You know, um, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and I know that you know, we can get into that all day long. You know, just one example, when I was in Mexico for the month, you know, of course, I have this beautiful view in Playa del Carmen. I have all this freedom to do whatever I want. But there are still struggles with, OK, well, oh, my God, this contract has to go through with a client. Yeah, and you still have to run your business. <laughs> yeah, you still have to run your business. So, um, you know, my friends, my the people who are closest to me in my circle, they all have traditional nine to five jobs. And in on their side of things, they're like, okay, why are you complaining? You're are you're in Playa del Carmen. And I'm like, listen, like, okay, I'm but I'm telling you that something didn't go through in my business. Like <laughs> we're not talking about we're not talking about this amazing view of the beach that I have. We're talking about something that didn't work out. So yes, it's the freedom, but yes, there are struggles with it too. Yeah, I mean, you're like, yeah, I have an amazing view of my laptop right now, right? <laughs> like that's about the, sometimes the only view you see, and it's um, it's hard enough to run a business when you're stationary, but then when you start traveling around, it can be difficult. And of course, the, all of the pressures that come with a business, like you just take them on the road with you, right? I mean, it's, it's not like they just go away just because you're at the beach, you know? <laughs> right? They really don't. You can try. You try to make it go away, but you can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like if you lose a client, you lose a client. Whether I mean, the, the, the beach helps, though. 
The beach does yeah, help, though, is, when you lose the client. It does help. <laughs> it does help. I agree with that. <laughs> yeah, I was drawn in by your story. And, you know, I, I read this on your site and I, I wanted to learn a little bit more about your background because um, I'll just read a little snippet here. You said, it grew up in a rural town in the backwoods of South Carolina, where very few young black girls at the time had access to the internet in their house, let alone a computer. And then you went on to say, my fascination with the internet was my escape from my father, who was an alcoholic, and my mother, who pretended it was normal. I soon created my own little reality through cyberspace by connecting with people from all over the world. Can you can you talk a little bit about growing up and, and what it was like for you in, in that rural town? And um, just a little bit about like, your childhood? Yeah. So, um, wow, I probably should have took a shot of um, alcohol before this. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. You know, I like to go deep on these things. No, I mean, no, I, no. I said I'll be an open book. So let's be an open book. I was one of those weird black kids growing up. So I don't know if you've watched the movie Black Panther yet that just came out. I'm dying to see it. I haven't seen it yet. Okay, so you have to go see it. So, of, of course, there's a reason why I'm bringing it up. Um, in Black Panther, there is this brilliant teenage girl. She's the sister to T'Challa, who is also Black Panther. And she is a scientist. She's an inventor. She's, you know, she's an all-around brilliant young Black girl. I wish that movie or I wish references to that movie came out when I was growing up because now it's being celebrated to be, you know, it's cool to be a nerd. Um, but when I was growing up, it was not cool to be a nerd. <laughs> what started with that was, of course, you know, like I said, I grew up in a, in a not healthy environment. I mean, it wasn't terrible, but it, it was a lot of dysfunction. So, you know, I, I was the only child. I didn't have any other siblings. So I had to deal with a lot of my parents' marital issues on my own. So I didn't really have anyone else that in the house that I could kind of share that experience with. Now, of course, um, when you grow up in a small town in South Carolina, you're surrounded by other family members. But, you know, of course, again, I'm the only child in my parents' house. So when they, when my parents bought my first computer, as a Christmas gift when I was about 11 or 12 years old. They also bought the AOL internet package. I don't, I'm sure you remember the AOL CDs that oh, used yeah. to be. <laughs> yeah. I wish we could like, wait, maybe we'll cue up that sound, the dial-up sound. How can you forget it, right? I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <How can> you- <laughs> there you go. <laughs> exactly. Um, when they bought that for me and you know they put the computer in my room because it was like, okay, I'm not even touching this. We bought this for you. I had a lot of freedom in between going to school. Um, I had a lot of freedom of just learning, okay, how the internet works. So I was so fascinated by how the internet just worked. Like, I was just blown away that someone like me could talk to anyone else in the world. That was my escape. And then I started making friends from chats. And then I, I soon connected with someone in Poland which is crazy. She was a teenager as well. And she was building websites of celebrities. And, you know, I, I emailed her just oh, keep in mind, I'm like 12, 13 years old. I'm sending, sending some other kid in Poland an email. And I said, hey, um, I really like this website that you did 
of this celebrity, you know, how how can I learn how to do that? And she replied back and said, okay, well, if you want to learn how to do it, you need to first learn HTML and CSS. So she sent, um, she sent two websites. Now keep in mind, this is before YouTube. So there were no video tutorials. Um, so she sent webs websites of how I can learn HTML and CSS. And within six months after that, after mastering my new skill, and teaching myself how to do it, I built my first website. So that was how I got into being a, a web designer, which I ended up doing professionally once I graduated from college. But that whole thing started with just wanting to escape my current reality. You know, I had friends, but again, none of my friends could really relate to me as far as, you know, when I say, oh, I just built this amazing website last night. And they're like, what? <laughs> right. You're like trying to you know, bond with somebody on this thing that you're really into and there's nobody else around you that e is even vibing it. Like they don't know what's going on. They have no idea what's going on. And and remember, you know, they didn't even have a computer in their house. Right. Yeah. Cause yeah, that was, so that was pretty, yeah. The fact that you had it in the internet and everything was, that wasn't common, right? No, it was not common back then. That was the year of 1999, um, between 1999 and 2000, when when everyone thought the world was going to end, when 2000, yeah, the um, <laughs> what is it? What was that called again? Y2K. No, oh yeah, Y2K. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone thought the world was going to end. That was around that time. So, um, if they had a computer in their house, they did not have internet, and I just had that. It was a privilege. I, I hate to say that, but it was. I'm glad it's not a privilege anymore, but it was a privilege back then, especially in the town that I grew up in. And just to talk more about that, um, it's a town of, I should have done my statistics, but I want to say it's about 3,000, maybe between two to 3,000 people. And about 75 to 80% of them are African-American and they are they're poor African-Americans. There's, there's just no other way to put it. So just by me having that, that was, again, a privilege. Thankfully, I took advantage of that. And just not knowing that, you know, just not knowing that at the time, because I was a kid, I took advantage of all the resources that I had at my fingertips because I knew how powerful the Internet was. Mm. You just yeah. instinctively knew, like even though it wasn't I a just common thing. Instinctively knew, yeah. yeah. I just, I just instinctively knew. So that's pretty much what started this whole thing. You know, just once I realized that I could learn from anyone I wanted to, I connected with so many people, and I, I had, you know, friends online, people that I've never met throughout my middle school and high school years, and one or two of them I am still friends with to this day. And, and that's really because we all, all started this whole thing when we were kids, you know, whatever they were going through at home, they were probably trying to escape their whole own reality too, like I was. It's just amazing to to have that. You know, who had the biggest influence on you growing up where you must be getting some support somewhere, some inspiration, like obviously through the, your online connections and the internet. But I mean, was there somebody on the ground that was really influenced and encouraged you or were you just self-motivated? My aunt, she was actually the one who bought the computer. Well, she she helped to buy it from for me and my parents. Well, excuse me, her and my parents got together and bought it for me. 
Um, but she uh, she majored in computer science and, you know, she's still working in her field. So she was the person that I look up to. She was, you know, the black girl nerd. She also grew up in the same town that I grew up in. Um, black people, we like to say grew up in the same hood, just FYI. But <laughs> but she grew up in the same hood that I did. And, you know, I just saw it as that she made it like she, um, you know, she beat the odds. She got really successful. She was I believe she was like 29 or right. I know it was right before she turned 30. She was making six figures at her job. And I was just like, OK, whatever she did, I want to do that. So I want to say that she did help me a lot growing up. She was like my my aunt as well as my mentor, someone that I could go to. Um, she also put me in, you know, once she saw that I had an interest in building websites, she, she invested in this summer program at the Art Institute in Charlotte. And I just remember staying at her house during the whole summer and just going there and just having a great time connecting with other people who were doing the same thing. And I remember it was just me and one other black person at the summer camp. It, and that was to be expected. But I just knew that I didn't care about that. I was just happy that I was in the company of other people who were doing what they enjoy doing. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And you finally got to hook up with those people in person and <laughs> right. geek out yeah. on this stuff together, right? Exactly. Exactly. You know, what were some of the key lessons coming out of that environment, as, as you mentioned, like a rural area that was uh, poor, key lessons that, that still you carry with to this day that help you to this day even? You can never forget where you came from because it will always creep up to remind you whenever you try to forget. I have so many examples of that, <laughs> but I'd like to think that had I would have not been brought up in dysfunction, who knows what I would have been doing. I'm sure I would have been successful no matter what, but it was just something in me at that time to want to escape from it or get away from it. So now I like to say whenever I travel to places, I like to think of, or I like to find things that reminds me of home. You know, for example, you know, I rented out an Airbnb in Mexico for the month. And there were just some things around the apartment that reminded me of my parents' house or my grandmother's house. So again, just never forgetting where you come from. And I will say that I did have support through my family growing up. Like they they all thought I was I was just going to be this little genius <laughs> because I was doing something that that no one else in the family has ever done. And, and it was just this 12, 13 year old kid building websites. You know, that that was something that people did not do until they became older. So I did have my family support, but it was more so of it, it started from, or it's, I should say, maybe it stemmed from just wanting to escape what was currently happening. Mm. And where did travel fit into all this? I, like, I, just the way you describe your town doesn't sound like a place where, like, a lot of people were out traveling the world and coming back mm -hmm. and telling stories oh, no. about it. Like, well, yeah, like, <laughs> where did the travel piece fit in? Like, did you get inspired to travel at some point? Like, was this just some moment, or did it just evolve over time, or how did that work for you? 
for black people, the way we travel is growing up as a as a child. In most cases, if we come from a family that doesn't have a lot of money, the only time we travel um, is for a family reunion. And it could be once a summer or once every year or once every other year. So when I was growing up, we did travel um, for a family reunion that's, that was every other year. Um, we would go to Florida. I think we went to Florida like two or three times. Then we went to New York. Um, so that for me was how I was able to travel. I did not actually start traveling on my own until after I graduated from college, after I was able to start making my own money. So what started that for me was just knowing that there was a bigger world out there. Again, just going back to being that 12, 13 year old girl, knowing that, you know, there's more out here than what I'm, what I'm seeing or what I'm experiencing. And I'm about to go find that. So again, that was, that was within me. There's more out there than what I've already seen so far. So what started travel was, um, I like to think of a cruise as a starter travel thing, you know, for people that's never traveled before. Um, so I went on a cruise with my friends, I actually went on two and I just remember like, Oh my God, we had so much fun. I didn't want to come back. So we went on our last cruise in 2012. So fast forward to two years later, I wanted to go over, over another trip overseas. But what I realized is that the people that I was traveling on a cruise with, we would have to plan the trip six months to a year in advance. And it was primarily because, you know, they may not have the financial means to go on a trip two months after saying, yeah, let's go. And then two months later, they're going or they just didn't really have the interest to do it. So I realized that, okay, if I want to travel, if I want to see what else is out there, I can't wait on anyone else to do it for me, or I can't wait on um, a husband to come along, or I can't wait for my friends to get on board. When I was planning my first trip to Europe, and that was I went to London, and then I went to Paris, and I was going for the week. I remember I was talking to one of my best friends, and she she distinctly said, girl, why are you going over there by yourself? And I said, well, are you going to come with me? And she said, <laughs> and, and she said no. And, and I said, OK, like I'm not I'm no longer going to wait around for anyone else to either decide they want to travel with me or to get their mess together and and. <laughs> Yeah. And of yeah. course, I want to say the other word, right. but <laughs> it's OK. You can if you want. But <laughs> OK, well, I didn't know if I could. No so, <laughs> yeah. So I, I didn't want to wait for someone to get their mess together to travel, because I feel like if you do that, you'll just be waiting forever. Once I went to London and Paris that first week, I was hooked. There, there was no other way to put it. I was hooked. I was hooked on the fact that, number one, I came back alive. Nothing happened to me. <laughs> and just the fact that I was able to enact my survival skills, because there were so many things that happened on the trip. Um, of course, you're going to have mishaps whenever you're traveling by yourself. And there were so many things that happened on the trip, but I figured it out on my own. And I didn't have the comfort of my closest friend or 
a partner or anyone else to help me do it. It was something I did completely on my own. And then I just made a lot of new friends on that trip, people from other nations. And, you know, I'm still cool with them to this day. And that I took that trip four years ago. So that is pretty much what jump started it for me, just not wanting to wait around for other people. Yeah. How did you feel of that first day when you're like you landed there and you're you're on the ground and you're there by yourself? Were you were you nervous or was it like an adventure right away? Like <laughs> take take okay, me back to well, that day. <laughs> yeah, let's go back to that day. So I was scared of shit. There was no other way to put it. <laughs> um yeah, I was terrified. So I landed in London first and I'm tired. You know, I'm trying to get to my hostel. And I didn't arrange a private car service or anything like that. So I had to figure out how to get to the hostel using public transportation because I I knew my budget for that trip and I didn't want to blow my budget on things that that didn't require it. So I landed, got to customs and I had, oh, oh goodness. So when I got to customs, the agent, she looked at me and, and she looked at the immigration documents that I had in the passport. And then she said, well, are you by yourself? I said, yes, I am. And and she said, well, why are you traveling alone? Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, I first- mean, it's always, it always surprises me. Like, I mean, it doesn't surprise me anymore. I guess I hear when I hear that friends and family question it, but like then when you just start hearing, yeah, I mean the gate agent or was it the, the customs agent? Like it was customs. That's, like it's she, like everybody. She, yeah, she decided whether or not I got in the country. So Hate, I was hating scared. on solo travel. Come on. Yeah. She <laughs> she asked me, Why are you traveling alone? And I I didn't really have a response, and I guess how I answered <laughs> It, it just looked really suspicious because oh, right. I was scared. You were nervous. You're like, right. I was so nervous. I'm sure. like, what is going on? So she oh, asked man. to see everything. Oh, no. She wanted to see my flight documents. She wanted to see my, because um, I took a train from London to Paris. She wanted to see that. She wanted to see the hostel where I was staying. She wanted to see the money I had on me to know how much money and then I, I think I had at the time, it was like um, 300 pounds. Mm, and not a good said, way to start the trip. Yeah. And, and she said, well, why do you only have 300 pounds? And I was like, what? So she, I, I kid you not, she asked, why are you traveling alone at least 10 times? And I was in that customs with her for a good 15 to 20 minutes. When I guess I was able to finally convince her that, that, okay, I'm not trying to start anything. I'm not a terrorist. I'm not trying to live here. I'm just trying to be here for three and a half days and I'm going to Paris. She, she just stamped my passport, like girl, get out my face. Like she just stamped it and shoved it away. Terrible start to, yeah, yeah, that was a terrible start, a terrible, terrible start. So I'm like, okay, that was weird. So um, I followed the signs to ground transportation. I see it was a lot of cabs lined up. So <laughs> I got in the first cab that I saw and I, I showed him the address of where I was going. And then what I did not do before I got in the cab was I asked him how much it was. Again, just just being really inexperienced. 
So he's driving off and he's been driving for like five minutes at this point. And I said, well, how much is it? And he said, oh, it's 80, um, it's 80 pounds. I said, 80 pounds? Knowing that I only had 300 pounds on me. So I said, oh, no, sir, I can't do this. And, and he flipped out. He didn't curse, but he flipped out. He let me know he wasn't happy. And he just said, miss, I've been sitting here since five o'clock in the morning and waiting on, waiting on, um, someone to get in my cab. And here you come, you want me to turn around? Like he just went off. So he did turn back around to the airport and he said, okay, well just give me 10 pounds. So I just gave him 10 pounds and I immediately got out of the car. And I said, okay, I need to figure out how am I going to get to this hostel using public transportation? Cause I know I had to make my money stretch. Um, Another thing I did not know at the time is I didn't know that the conversion rate for U.S. dollars for British pounds is it basically cuts it in half. <laughs> I, I, love, did, I love how you just threw yourself into all this. So yeah, great. I had no idea. So yeah. I before I left the U.S., I converted 600 U.S. dollars thinking, OK, I know it's not going to be equal up to 600, but I was thinking maybe four or five. And when she gave me 300 pounds, I was like, what is this? And she said she was pointing to the screen saying, this is the conversion rate. So I was already like, just, yeah, I was scared as hell about that. Again, just not knowing any better and and not realizing that British pounds is completely different from euros. Just, again, throwing myself into a situation I had no idea I was getting into. So I go back to the airport. And I said, okay, I need to figure out how to make this public transportation thing work. So um, I figure out how to get on, um, I believe it's called the tube um, in London. Yeah. Yeah. The the subway system. Yeah. Yeah. The subway system. Um, I figure out how to get on the subway and keep in mind, I didn't have a SIM card on my phone, but I do remember that I read the instructions on how to get to the place using public transportation. And thankfully I read it, but I, I tried my best to memorize it. So I noticed the stop that I had to get off of, you know, just from memorizing the instructions that I read or the directions that I read. And it's a 20 minute walk from the subway stop to the hostel. I don't know. I think it was just by the grace of God that I got to the hospital. <laughs> Otherwise you would still be walking around looking for the yeah, hospital. Yeah, <laughs> like I, I don't know. As I like to think, um, this is one thing my aunt taught me years ago. When you're lost, just go straight. <laughs> you'll, you'll figure out where to go from there. Great so advice. I use that. Like I'm like, I'm dragging uh, this big luggage behind me and knowing that I didn't have a lot of money to get a cab. And I'm like, okay, I don't know where I'm going, but I'm just going to go straight. And I just went, just walked. Um, and then luckily I saw the sign for the hostel, <laughs> right? And I just remember looking at the picture of it on Google and it, and I recognized the outside of it. So I knew that I, I was at the right place. Yeah, that was an auspicious crazy, start. <laughs> very, very, very so I mean, crazy. so when did it turn around for you? Because you said you had a blast, right? I mean, you still have friends to this day from that trip. So, I mean, was it like that night you went out and met a bunch of people or the next day or? So, um, for London, I, 
to be honest, I was over London. I, as soon as I landed and had that experience at customs, I, I wanted to leave and go straight to Paris. But I said, no, I'm going to give London a chance. And I wanted to see Stonehenge. So that for me was like the biggest goal for me while I was there. Um, and, and then I knew that I had budgeted a whole lot more for Paris. So I knew that I was going to have a blast in Paris than London, just simply because I knew I was going to have more money. I didn't really do too much in London. I was, I was actually counting down the days so it was time to leave. But, um, when I got on the train from London to Paris and I landed in Paris, I just, I don't know what it was, but I just, I just felt like, okay, this is going to be an amazing trip. And I didn't have anyone asking me in Paris, okay, what are you doing here? Why are you traveling by yourself? Like, I didn't have any of that. Like, they just, yeah, they just stamped my passport and sent me on my merry way. So, and you, you've got, you have some experience and some confidence by then, even after a few exactly. days makes a big difference when you're solo traveling, you know? Exactly. Exactly. So, even when I landed in Paris, I didn't, set up a private car from the train station. I kind of figured out how to get to the hostel on my own. That was a challenge within itself. I did end up taking a cab because the hostel that I booked in Paris, um, it had good reviews. But when I got there, I was, I basically said, okay, I'm not staying here. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it just wasn't set up how I wanted it to. So the host of the hostel, she let me use her Wi-Fi. And I was searching online for this other hostel that had good reviews. And she let me use her phone to call them and ask if they had any rooms available. Thankfully, they did. And I hailed a taxi cab out, you know, outside of that hostel. And I went straight from there to the other hostel that I had just booked. And that was about 50 euros. But because I had more money for Paris and I was like, okay, I'm getting the hell up out of here. I did not mind spending more money um, in a in a cab. So, yeah, like when I got to that other hostel, I can tell, okay, this is where people go to have fun. They had a basement club downstairs. They had a bar. They had a restaurant. Um, and it was really clean and it was really nice. So I just knew that when I got there, I was going to have a great time. And I did. You know, did that sort of free forever the limitations of like having to wait for somebody or like all the things you talked about before, waiting for friends to save money or somebody to go with you? Like after that, was it just kind of like, hey, now I can just do whatever because I have had this experience and I know I can do it? Absolutely. Absolutely. I will say um, before I traveled to Europe the year before that, I didn't mention it, um, but I traveled to San Francisco and, you know, I'm in South Carolina. So you know, that's basically, that's basically in another world if you're talking to my family, because it's all, it's all the way on the other side of the country. Um, but I traveled there and I was in this master's program. They had some kind of week-long summer thing for people who are in the master's program. You know, I decided to go and I, I just had an amazing time. And of course I went by myself, but I met so many people, people that I recognized from the online portal and I met my professors and I got a chance to tour Google headquarters as well as YouTube headquarters. That trip is what jump started my trip to Europe. I mentioned your mission with Black Digital Nomad at the top of the show. Can, can you share a little bit about that and why it's important to you? 
here's the thing. There are so many different black travel movements out there. And when I thought about starting Black Digital Nomad, I was afraid of, and I shouldn't use the word afraid, but I'm using it for this case. I was afraid of being just another black travel movement. And I knew that I wanted to create something different and did not really truly already exist. So there's a lot of digital nomad communities out there for people who look like you. Um, but there weren't too many for people who look like me. And I want to, I wanted to make the clear distinction that being a digital nomad is not about just traveling. It's about having the freedom to create whatever kind of lifestyle you want and you have the option to live and work from anywhere, wherever it is. So once I made that distinction to do that um, and I created Black Digital Nomad, I at first I struggled with what the mission was. And, and I can say on this podcast that when I started Black Digital Nomad, it was just going to be a job board website for black and brown people, or maybe I should just say people of color, who were looking for remote opportunities so that they could travel and, and live and work from anywhere. The only reason why it did not turn out to be a job board website is because I was struggling for two months on how to build a job board. Um, I downloaded so many different WordPress themes and I just could not figure out how could I make this job board work. So I was talking to a friend of mine who actually gave me the idea for Black Digital Nomad. And, you know, she said, OK, why are you why are you trying to create something new? Why are you struggling to create something that you have to teach yourself how to do? Why not use everything that you know and and build the community behind that? So being that I already knew how to build a business um, I have the experience of not only traveling, but working while I'm traveling. I think I mentioned earlier in the show that I had a job that, you know, they let me work four out of the five days from home or from anywhere. When I was traveling, I was already having that experience of working from not just from my house or from my from the office, but from wherever I was. So I just remember when I went to Egypt in Spain and Mexico during the time of during the tenure of my employment there, I was still working. I, I didn't actually take a vacation. Um, I told my boss that, okay, I'll be in these other locations, but I still plan to work. So because I had that experience as well as building my business on the side, I I just decided, okay, I'm not gonna try to create a job board. Let me just use what I know and create the community around that. So I decided from there that Black Digital Nomad was just going to be a way for people of color to connect with someone who looks like them and they're either doing what they want to do or they're doing what they're already doing. But they didn't have a community that they could go to. They had, you know, the Black travel movement communities and there's so many of them out there and all of them are doing amazing work. But um, it's different when you are taking advantage of your two-week vacation from your job and when you have the option to travel throughout the entire year. When people who found out about Black Digital Nomad, and they were just so excited. <laughs> like they, 
they were stoked that, you know, finally as someone that has a voice in this community, because all the other communities is filled with people who do not look like them. And for those who want to do it, they have a resource that they can go to to learn how. I, I do feel there's some, you know, misrepresentation in the digital nomad community. It's important that all voices are heard. Absolutely. Right. Right. And I appreciate that. Of course. I I wanted to ask you about some of the, maybe the challenges that might be unique to the black community in terms of like being a digital nomad or travel or anything, because um, obviously you can speak to it. Is there anything around that that you can share? <laughs> I can use a, a recent example that happened um, when I was in Mexico. So, you know, of course, Mexican guys, or they're they're approaching me, you know, trying to show romantic interest. But um, so I'm walking um, past, you know, a lot of vendors and one of them, you know, yelled out to me, hey, brown sugar, my brown sugar sister. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so and I, and I just knew that he would have not said that had it, I would have been a white woman. Of course he wouldn't. You know, it, it depends on if you're talking to who you're talking to. They may not have got offended by that. I was highly offended by that because you're trying to get me to come to your store to look at your stuff, but you're calling me your brown sugar sister. You don't have to address me by my race to get my attention or by the color of my skin to get my attention. So, I mean, that's just something that cannot happen to anyone else unless they look like me. Because black people, black and brown people deal with microaggression, racism daily, we're we're so immune to it. So when we are traveling, you know, of course, when we're traveling, we're trying to escape what we're dealing with back at home. And when I say home, I mean um, the U.S. or for wherever you're from. But um, so when I'm traveling, I'm I'm not looking for that. But, you know, you're going to get it anywhere. I can share one experience from one of my friends. It's, it's more of a more dramatic example. When she was in Germany about a year ago, she um, she was ordering food from this restaurant or maybe it was a drink from a bar, wherever she was. It was a German girl behind the bar, of course, and and she just threw her menu at her. She threw the menu at her. <laughs> like she literally just, she didn't hand it to her. She just kind of threw it at her. And she was the only black person in the whole restaurant. You know, she reacted to that. The person behind the bar ignored her, never tried to take her order. And there was no one else behind the bar that could take her order. So she just left. That's just two examples of what black travels have to deal with. Just the microaggressions. Well, in that case, that was a major, major blank example of racism. How I deal with it is I I just keep it moving. I, I guess it's, there's nothing really I can do about it. You know, I can't I can't really control how someone approaches me or what someone says, but I can't control how I respond to it. So um, I just keep it moving, and it, it doesn't happen often. It doesn't happen to often to the point where it it makes me not want to travel at all. But I mean, it's more of a annoyance than anything. Hmm. Yeah. Which is sad because it should not. I mean, it's. Yeah. yeah. And, and like you said, I mean, this is this is happening back home. So you're what you're saying is that, you know, things that take place on the road, it's it's not really any different than back home 
in, in a way. Right. It makes me sick, like hearing these stories. So I can only imagine how you feel <laughs> when these things are happening to you, because I can't obviously know what that would be like. I mean, it sounds like from your experiences, I mean, it's not, it's certainly not a deterrent to not, to not go and see the world. Um, no, cause you're out there doing it. Definitely not. Back to the working and traveling piece. What's your primary income? Because I know it's like a lot of people's first question is like, okay, how are you? How are you doing it? How are you making a living while you're traveling? <laughs> what is it that you do? <laughs> right. So I am a Facebook ad strategist, and what that simply means is I help clients find their their clients and customers using Facebook and Instagram advertising. So I help them get more visibility get in front of new people daily and put their message out there. So we should get some tips from an expert because <laughs> you're here. No, I mean, we've, I've, uh, I've used Facebook ads for different things before. I, I would say it's a great success. It is very powerful. And I think a lot of people, you know, might be sort of freaked out uh, when they find out like what Facebook can do when it comes to like advertising and stuff. It's like, it's pretty crazy. But I mean, if you're using it right, you know, it can be a good tool because it's going to be helping the people that you want to serve. Now, there are certainly people that abuse it as well. So I mean, I just, yeah, I want to hear your your take on, on all that and then get some tips around Facebook ads. And I know that we could do a whole podcast on Facebook advertising. But, I know, right? You know, maybe, <laughs> well, let's start with the the, the thoughts on, on Facebook advertising. Like, what, what do you think about it right now and like where it's going in the future? When I first started advertising on Facebook, that was in 2014. So four years ago, and people were just getting hip to it. Facebook advertising had been around for a minute at that point, but people were just realizing that, okay, this is a way, this is an excellent way to grow your business and get yourself out there. I actually just Googled how many users there are on Facebook, and there are 2.2 billion monthly active users on Facebook. <laughs> so insane. Like, that how, is how many servers? <laughs> I, mean, like, I have no idea. <laughs> it's just so crazy. <laughs> anyway. That is insane. That is, um, yeah. So um, I, I like to think that there's no excuse for you to not advertise on Facebook. You can, you can run an ad on Facebook for as low as $1 per day. So you know, if you have the budget or of at least of at least thirty dollars per month, there is absolutely no excuse to not start running ads and promoting your business. So what I where I see it going now in the industry that I'm in, it's really crowded. So there's a lot of competition out there. So I have to get really creative in my marketing. I have to make an effort to stand out. But I also like to say that um, the best way to be successful in Facebook ads is to have a specific niche. And, and that's really for any business. But just taking Black Digital Nomad, for example, when I run ads for Black Digital Nomad, I can, for every dollar that I spend, I get a new person on my email list. And that is considered an excellent conversion rate. When I'm running ads promoting my Facebook ad services under my personal brand, my cost per lead is $5. So for every $5 I spend, I get a new person on my email list. And that's because the competition for it, for other Facebook ad strategists like me, 
is so crowded. Like there are so many other people who are promoting the same thing. So I will say for any business owners out there who are listening to this, make sure that you have a niche. Like, and, and if you are still trying to figure it out, refine it because you want to make your niche as targeted as possible. What's working right now? Is it the, the video ads or the, you know, what do you see that's working? What I see that's working is I don't think video ads are, are as effective as photo ads, but I will say that um, you have to get really creative in your photos. So um, when I first saw Facebook ads, I used to see like a lot of graphics where people would create an actual Facebook ad graphic that would have maybe a picture of them and some text. What I'm seeing that works best for me and for my clients now is simply a picture of yourself or a picture of the subject matter that you're referring to in the ad and no text at all. Um, Video ads are effective when it comes to an actual physical product. So let's say if you have a subscription box of some sort and you want to show like, okay, what's inside the subscription box, whatever they sign up for the first month, a video ad is an excellent way to advertise that. So people can actually see what they're getting when they're purchasing. So you're already, you're automatically creating um, some level of trust. However, when it comes to just promoting your, um, your services and you know, if you're promoting something for free, like a free ebook or an audio or a webinar, I want to say photo ads or, or images are the best way to do that. And by the way, me do some training webinars and different things around Facebook ads. So if you want to share your website where people can go and learn more about that, feel free. Yeah, sure. So um, the URL that I'm using for all of my webinars is melodycthomas.com forward slash free masterclass. And um, if you want to add that to the show notes, you can. Yeah. So um, that that URL will never change because, you know, all I have to do is update the lead page for it. And, you know, every time I run a free webinar, it will it is still be under that link. So I'm actually hosting a training um, two days from now. Cool. Yeah, I'll put definitely put that in the show notes. Yeah. So for people that are maybe starting out or, or looking to ramp up a bit more, I mean, I do think it's an underutilized strategy because of course, I think because it involves investing money. And when it comes to spending money, if you're not sure it's going to work, then that can be scary. But there's a lot of a chicken and egg thing when it comes to like online business, people are like, well, I don't have an email list. So how am I going to sell them anything or whatever? And like Facebook ads kind of solve that problem, right? Like like you said, I mean, you can you can get people onto an email list by paying for them. And I, that sounds insensitive, but it's if you're doing it in the right way, it's not because you're going to be helping people and serving them, right? I mean, it's, it's just, that's what it's about. But um, what are your thoughts on using Facebook to, you know, come flying out of the gates with your with your business if you're just starting out? And this may sound harsh to people who are just starting businesses, but I feel like you have to have some thick skin to run a business. So I'm just going to say it. It's either you have a business or you don't. And I I like to say this to my clients whenever they want to give up. And I say, listen, it's either you're going to have this business or you don't. And if you don't, let me know so we can decide not to work together. And I give them that honest feedback because... You have to be committed to making your business work. 
And one of the ways to do that is to invest. So, you know, if you're not investing in some kind of coach or mentor, which I have, but, you know, if you're, if you're not even willing to invest in advertising to grow your business quickly, then, I mean, you can still reach your goal, of course, but it just take you a lot longer. And I feel like Facebook ads just cuts the time frame that it takes to get there. So um, I remember when I made my first $10,000 a month in my business, I did that because I was running Facebook ads and targeting people that had an interest in my services and what I had to offer. And, you know, I, I got two $5,000 clients from that email list and they decided to work with me in the same month. That I'm sure that would have happened, but it, it would have taken me longer to get there. You know, with Facebook ads, yes, there is a risk. There, there's always a risk whenever you invest. But I feel like, you know, if you're not willing to invest or if you're afraid to invest money, then just do not go into a business because you have to constantly invest in your business. Even the money that you do make in your business, you have to keep reinvesting. Certainly, I know you have a free ebook, I think, on Black Digital Nomad where you can get a whole bunch of different other ways that you can earn an income while you're traveling remotely as well. So because I got that today. I signed up for your oh, email list. Oh, good. Good, good, good. <laughs> so, Thank um, you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I want to talk a little bit more about the lifestyle. We touched on it a bit. Um, you know, you had in your in your 10 things about me on your site that you used to love watching TV, but then you, now you don't watch it at all. And it kind of got me thinking about habits and how important they are when you're, especially when you're working on the road. I guess you could use that specific one. Like, how did that change? Did that involve like a habit change? Or just talk to me about like, yeah, your thoughts around habits when it comes to the remote work lifestyle. One of my favorite shows is Martin. It's a 90s sitcom. Oh, yeah. Of, <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. So, you know, who oh, Martin yeah, yeah. Is. yeah. I've seen Martin for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, that was one of my, and, and I heard that they're doing a reboot. I'm not too happy oh, about that. No, no. Because the original is so funny. <laughs> Yeah, like I feel like that's such a classic show that it needs to stay a classic. But nevertheless, when I was working my nine to five Monday through Friday job, I I enjoyed the work that I did. I enjoyed the people that I worked with. I even had my own office Um, as a 25, 26, 27 year old woman. You know, you would think that, okay, I struck gold. (laughs) But um you know, I, I enjoyed the work that I did, but I knew at that point I was starting to build my business on the side. And that was kind of what jump started this whole lifestyle that I was learning more about. And that was also when I was traveling too. I remember coming home from work and this was when I was not building my, well, this is before I started building my business. Um, but I was in my master's program at that time. So I would just come home from work and sit behind my laptop on my couch doing my master's program schoolwork, watching TV. And I would watch TV literally from 6 p.m. when I got home to 11 or 12 a.m., like right before I went to bed. And yes, I would be getting work done. But once I made the decision to build my business and say, okay, I want to run my business full time in the future, I knew that some habits had to change. So 
when I made the decision to do that, I actually hired a a mentor who, who was, well, I don't really know if I can say she still is, but at the time she was a black digital nomad and that was, she was a black digital nomad before so many other people were saying the, the term digital nomad. So when I saw her as an example and just seeing that she's running this successful business um, she gave her her apartment. She sold all her belongings. She sold her car, and she's just traveling and you know doing her thing, running her business. And when I made the decision to hire her as my business coach, one of the things she said was, "Listen, if you want to have a successful business, you have got to stop watching TV." And she was saying that to me and, and other people who are in the program with her. So. It was an easy fix for me because, I mean, I'm not one of those people that's so addicted to TV or so addicted to television. I have a friend that, you know, if you tell her she can't watch TV, you would think someone died. (laughs) So, you know, it, it was an easy habit to fix for me because I knew that, okay, someone who has already built a multi six figure business and on track to make seven figures is saying, these are the things that you need to do to have a successful business. And I hired her. I'm going to listen to her. Hmm. So sometimes you got to have some skin in the game, right? To like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, it, it was just an easy fix for me. And I, and I went from, you know, watching TV all the time to really watching it. So whenever I do watch TV for me, I, I like to think of it as a treat you know, I'm not one of those people that can binge watch a Netflix show um, for for hours or all day or two days. Like, I'm not one of those people that can do that. Um, but when I do watch TV, I watch it online and I'm able to fast forward from commercials. And, you know, the only I only watch two shows, which is Scandal. It's the show that Tyler Perry produced, The Haves and the Have Nots. And it's, it's one other show. But it's only just less than three hours out of the week versus however many hours that I was spending or or maybe I should say wasting just consuming television. I knew that it was an easy fix for me. You mentioned the business coach and sort of the mindset around that. And that's just one specific thing. But like, as far as the mindset that it requires to make it as a digital nomad, in your opinion, what do you think are some of the key sort of mindset if you want to call them pillars or whatever to focus on when it comes to changing your way of thinking to accommodate this like remote work lifestyle, whether you're, you're gearing up for it or what, what do you think are some of the other things that somebody might need to change? I like to say that mindset is everything. And it is not only should you change your television habits, but you should um, not to say that you you need to drop your friends if they don't have this lifestyle, but it's important that you get into a new circle of friends or you find people who are doing what you want to do. So for me, I found someone that's doing what I wanted to do. So that could simply be hiring someone or just finding, making friends with someone who's already doing it. Another thing is, You have to know how to manage your time because whenever you're a digital nomad, especially when you're running a business, time is your most precious asset. And this is something that I'm still learning how to do, to be honest. But 
Um, I, I know that whenever, whenever you're an employee, you, you know, go to work and you come home and you can pretty much do whatever you want when you're home until you have to get ready to go to work for the next day. But when you're prepping for this lifestyle and let's say you are, you know, let's say you want to build a business or you want to run a business by the time you decide to quit your job so you can travel. Well, instead of just doing whatever you want to do, that may be watching TV or um, just running your mouth on the phone, like whatever, whatever that is, you need to now prioritize your time from, okay, when I get home from work, I'm going to spend this amount of hours on my business. And I like to say that, you know, if you can dedicate at least 20 hours a week on your business, then you have a good chance of being on track to running your business full time. But that's something that you have to do consistently. So I I like to say that time, you know, just managing your time is very important. It's, It's a major mindset shift that that people need to make. You know, when you're traveling, you always want to have more time to enjoy the the traveling part, right? Right, <laughs> like, right. The, the hunting yeah. around for the good tacos and um, of all varieties and whatever else you're getting into. You know? Right. <laughs> you know, speaking of managing time, I feel like I've taken a good portion of yours. So well, I'm <laughs> enjoying it. So you're fine. <laughs> awesome. No, I'm really glad that... Uh, that you agreed to, to come on the show and have the chat and just share your thoughts around the digital nomad lifestyle and everything you got going on. Um, I know I really appreciate your time. And uh, if, if you want to share one more time, I, mean, I think, I mean, we dropped all the URLs, but if there's anywhere else, like anybody should check you out, Instagram or whatever, feel free to share. Yeah. So it's blackdigitalnomad.com. And I am Black Digital Nomad on Facebook and Instagram. And I'm Black Digi Nomad, D-I-G-I Nomad on Twitter. So um, I, for some reason, Twitter would not let me register Black Digital Nomad in its entirety. So, um, But that's where I am on Twitter. And go to my website and download my free guide, 75 Ways to Start an Online Business and become a digital nomad to get on my email list and as well as download the free guide like Jason has done earlier today. You know, you can read my blog. I'm really open on my blog. Like I'm an open book. I share the struggles, successes, things that I'm going through. So, you know, if you want to relate to that, feel free to go to the blog and read more about it. Have a blast in Thailand. Thank you. I'm sure you've been. I I know you've been there. Uh, It's been a long time, actually. It's a place I'd really like to go back to. Um, I was there... (sighs) I'm so bad with years, Melody. I don't know how this happens. It's like... I think... I don't know. Something about the traveling, it it screws me up. I I lose track of where I was when I was. But I was either in the late 90s or early 2000s. But um, So it's been... It's been far too long. I'm sure you're going to have a blast and you're going to be there. You're going to be in Thailand or in Southeast Asia for three months. So in in Southeast Asia for three months, I I like to think of Thailand as the place where I'll be going to first because all my friends that has, well, the friends that have been, they said, okay, you should go there first. Um, I've also had some high contenders for Bali. So what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I haven't been to Bali, actually. Oh, okay. But I know, okay. you know, okay. Chiang, Mai and ba- Chiang Mai and Thailand and Bali are two digital nomad hotspots. So if I you're know. looking for that, I, I don't think you can go wrong. Uh, I mean, what are you most excited about for for this trip? 
Hmm. I am most excited about meeting new people who are yeah. doing what I'm doing. I mean, that for me is, I like to say that my, I measure my experiences when I'm traveling based on the connections that I made, you know, because I made so many great connections in Playa del Carmen, I already said to them, okay, I'm definitely coming back the end of the summer. And those people that I connected with, they actually decided to call Playa del Carmen their home. So, you know, they're going to be there when I come back. So um, I like to think that whenever I make great connections with people, I'm always more likely to have an amazing time. So that's what I'm looking forward to. <laughs> For sure. I mean, it's like, yeah, it's all about the people you meet along the way. And um, yeah, it sounds like you're good at keeping in touch. You're still keeping in touch with some of those people from that first trip. And um, yeah. yeah, I'm sure you're going to have some awesome adventures. So uh, no, I really appreciate your time today. And I look forward to staying in touch with you. Thank you, Jason. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right, cool. We'll chat soon. All right. Cheers. Cheers. There you have it, my friend. I want to thank Melody for stopping by, sharing her story. It was a pleasure and an honor to chat with her. And I've got a shout out and a quote for you in just a minute. A couple quick thank yous. One to Tortuga Backpacks today for sponsoring today's show. ZeroToTravel.com slash Tortuga will take you to a page where you're going to see the products from them that I recommend. If you want to get the best all-around backpack out there that will allow you to travel the world without having to check a bag. No more spending money on checking bags. No more carrying too much stuff. They've done an incredible job in the design work of this bag maximizing the space and they have a different type of bag for really every single type of traveler and i use mostly the tortuga outbreaker and the new set out day pack which i just got i was using their other day pack i just got the new one i love these day packs because i love a packable day pack that you can squeeze into your bag but one that still has a little bit thicker strap so you can still use it throughout the day you know too many of those day packs that pack down have those like paper thin nylon straps they suck to use, basically. You can't use them around for hikes. You can't use them around the city. You can, but it's just not comfortable. There's no padding. This day pack really straddles that line of having the durability and the thickness to actually be comfortable with it and enjoy it, but still the packability so you can squeeze it down and bring it with you so easily. And I use that day pack Every day, not just when I'm traveling. I use it here when I go to work from cafes and just around town. And then I take it with me with the Tortuga Outbreaker is the one I use the most. Check out those packs and the other ones they have. And you get 10% off with the promo code TRAVEL just for being a listener of this show. Use the promo code TRAVEL, just the word TRAVEL when you check out. You'll get 10% off any of the Tortuga backpacks. And they have packing cubes and a few other accessories. So that promo code gives you 10% off anything you order there. Thanks again to them for supporting today's show and just for making killer backpacks that uh, that are comfortable, that I get enjoyment out of all the time when I travel. Thanks to them. And lastly, I want to mention one more time the Paradise Pack because you just heard Melody's story. This is about getting a quality education. If you want to either go location independent or become a digital nomad or you currently are and you want to level up your business, it's all about learning. It's all about education, as you already know. And the key is to pick the right things to learn and to find great teachers to teach you those skills and then implementing them and making the whole concept of whatever it is you want to do to go to the next level a reality. And you do that by implementing the skills you learn. But 
If you don't want to waste time learning the wrong things or learning the right things from the wrong people, we put together the Paradise Pack each and every year. This is our fifth year doing it. And we take the world's best products in location-independent business and travel, put it together in one pack, and give it to you for 90% off for one week only. This year, it's going to be from May 29th through June 4th. Don't miss it. Sign up so you get notified so you find out about this thing because it's only here for a week. Then it's gone forever. ZeroToTravel.com slash paradise is the link you can use to go to that page and sign up and make sure you get notified. You'll get a free gift. We'll be keeping in touch there. You're going to be so excited when you see this thing because even if you use one-tenth of what's in this thing, you're going to be (laughs) blown away by what you can do for yourself in terms of travel, saving money, earning money, being able to do it from anywhere and all that good stuff. ZeroToTravel.com slash paradise. I'll leave that link in the show notes. Go sign up because you don't want to miss this. I'm telling you, hit pause right now and sign up if you're afraid you're going to miss this. We always get emails after the sale at the end of the year. Oh, I'm sorry. I wasn't paying attention. I missed this but we can't go past that date. We have 20 plus experts putting in their courses and when it's over, it's over. And I always feel bad when people miss out on it, but it is what it is and they have to wait a whole other year to get it again. There's nothing else like this out there where you can get this type of education for exactly what you want to do to be able to be free to travel more. ZeroToTravel.com slash paradise. Two more things before I let you go. A quote, but first... Thank you to Natasha for taking the time to write. Her subject line was in line with what we talked about today. It was people of color and location-independent lifestyle. And she said, Hi, Jason. Thank you so much for your podcast. I listen with enthusiasm during my 45-minute drive to work from Virginia to Maryland. Sometimes wish you could add a bit of color, literally, to your segments. As a woman of color that has traveled to just a few countries in Asia, I often wonder why you do not discuss the diversity of people of color that listen to your show and travel. There are several travel bloggers that may introduce tips, ideas for those of us that travel but have the threat of looking different. I'd love to shred America, bike from Florida to New Orleans, or quit my job for a year and go to Bangkok. But when you have these conversations, there's never any discussion about race, such as are there people of color? What were they like? Where were they from? Did you see any racism? Or what do your friends and family of color think of your life? And she went on to suggest some guests. She said, um, I would suggest maybe you can invite Black and Abroad, the Minority Nomad, Fly Brother, Black Digital Nomad, or Onika the Traveler to discuss. If not, it would be helpful if you could add a lens of race to your questions and not just gender. Thank you, Natasha. And you know, she hadn't been in the archives yet, so I did go back and point out to her that um, I have interviewed some of those people she already mentioned. And if you love this topic and you're interested in learning more, you can listen to my interview with Onika. You can listen to my interview with Eric from The Minority Nomad. You can listen to my interview with Jasmine Reese, who biked across the United States, really inspiring woman. Uh, You can listen to my interview with Dr. Quinta, and I can put all these in the show notes. So this is a topic that I have covered, and uh, I, of course, want to cover more. I mean, I'm all about diversity in the show. And if you have any suggestions and anybody else that I can bring on to share every part of the travel experience possible, please let me know. And uh, just thanks again to Natasha for, um, for just taking the time to write and to share her thoughts on that. Really important to get these types of emails uh, for me because I, I do want to make sure I'm serving everybody as much as possible. And, and like I mentioned, I have interviewed several of the people she mentioned, but always up for more of that. And I just really need suggestions, guest suggestions. And I'm always looking for interesting people that you maybe haven't heard on a million different podcasts and people that can provide something unique 
to you, the listening audience, and let me know if you have anybody in mind, anybody at all, on any topic at all, you can get in touch with me. Thank you so much for being a part of the Zero to Travel Caravan, this gorgeous, wonderful listening community, you beautiful soul, you. I so appreciate you. There's like a million and one things you could be doing right now, but you're hanging out here with me. And that means so much. And I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Have a wonderful day. I'm going to leave you with a quote from Maya Angelou, who always has such beautiful words to say. And she says here, prejudice is a burden that confuses the past, threatens the future, and renders the present inaccessible. Love that. Thank you so much again, and I'll see you next time. Cheers. This podcast has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality.